Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the big thing on Total Soccer Show, our weekly deep dive into one of soccer's meatiest topics. And this week, we must turn our attention to the ongoing saga around Spanish FA president Luis Rubiales. Rubiales started his journeyman playing career as a defender in 1997 before retiring in 2009. In 2010, he became president of the Association of Spanish Footballers. And in 2018, he was elected president of the Royal Spanish Football Federation, the RFEF. One of his first actions was to fire Spain coach Julian Lopetegui just days before the 2018 World Cup. And he's also faced corruption allegations around the staging of the Spanish Super Cup in Saudi Arabia. And as you're no doubt aware, Rubiales has hit international headlines for kissing Spain's Jenny Hermoso on the lips on stage during the World Cup medal presentation. Hermoso has refuted Rubiales' claim that the kiss was consensual. On today's show, we'll dig into what exactly happened, what has evolved since, and the chaos, folly, and shame that has stemmed from this whole incident. My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me today, Mr. Taylor Rockwell. Hello, Taylor. Hello, my friend. How are we doing today, Taylor? We good? You looking very uh, sharp today? Uh, yeah, I mean, on a topic that is not particularly fun to talk about, but has been like made for insane reading, especially once mm. we get to the allegations about Rubiales from his uncle, I believe. Th- those have made this story take an even stranger, more disconcerting turn. Indeed. There is much more than meets the eye to this story, as we will outlay. Joe Lowry helping us to do so. Hello, Joe. Hello, Ryan. Uh, how are you doing today, Joe? We good? I'm, yeah, I'm doing just fine. It is enjoyable to get to talk about soccer for a living. This is a less enjoyable topic, as Taylor said, but I think it's an important one and mm-hmm. something that has warranted the discussion that it's gotten so far. And I'm hoping that we're probably not going to provide any new moral ground on this particular episode, but I'm hoping that we'll be able to give folks that maybe don't have the clearest understanding of all the nitty gritty details of what has happened, even beyond this event following the World Cup final. Hopefully we'll give them a little bit more context here. Indeed. Graham Rosen here also. Hello, Graham. How are you, sir? I'm good. Ryan Bailey, looking forward to another Big Thing episode. Not so much looking forward to talking about uh, another depressing topic, but increasingly it feels like the big thing is made for these depressing <laughs> topics. I'm glad <laughs> it exists, but I, I, I think it's important to delve into the story, which really has become a, a sprawling story with so many different strands and, and stories within the overall story, but it's certainly something yeah. that has cut through the the, the mainstream and, and and really deserves some uh, explora- yeah. exploration i think and a, and a slight peek behind the curtain we were considering doing this last week uh assuming that things would play out normally and then they did the opposite of that so we were continuing to think about doing this maybe once rubiales had left but now that that continues to not happen and who knows if that will end up happening uh it feels like maybe it's a good time to talk about everything that's happening it is indeed. And we'll be doing so in full audio fidelity. Graham Rutherford has assured us his, uh, his line is fixed. Apologies, <laughs> listener, over the last couple of podcasts if you uh, have experienced some audio uh, discrepancies. Um, Graham, do you have anything to say? That's just how I sound now, Ryan Bailey. Okay. Just random clicks, click. just click, 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 just click. come into my voice. Yeah, ho- <laughs> the- hopefully that's fixed now. I apologize right. to the listener. That was the- slightly click. annoying, but fixed now. Indeed, indeed. Well, let's get straight to it, shall we? And just a note at the top, uh, this is, as we've noted, a moving story. We might even need to update this before we put it out on the feed because, uh, as we mentioned, by the hours, this one has been changing. But as as I understand, Taylor, Rubiales has been banned by FIFA's disciplinary committee for uh, an initial 90 days following his conduct at the Women's World Cup final. Uh, RFEF has requested his recognition. They can't demand it. They've requested it. Uh, but despite apparently being completely isolated, he is refusing to stand down. So, Taylor, my opening question, should the president of an FA be kissing players on the lips? 
Uh, I would argue no. I would say uh, very much no. And I think that's not a thing that would ever happen on the men's side. I don't think he would uh, try to plant one on Sergio Ramos or Iker Casillas in days gone by. So this does immediately show, I think, how the two different teams are treated in a very uh, public way. And it's sort of, to my understanding, representative of a long, uh, not very proud history of abuses, uh, like capital A abuses, and then lowercase a abuses that have been suffered by members of the Spanish national team, the Spanish women's national team, going back decades. Uh, There's a video you can find of their former coach, like slapping players on the face and pinching their cheeks and pulling their ear while he's talking to them. And it's just, that kind of starts it. But from there, it feels like it's very systematic. It's very institutionalized. And I would argue that the forged Jenny Hermoso letter, which I'm sure we'll discuss, uh, indicates that maybe it is more than just Rubiales who is part of the problem when it comes to the Spanish FA. Oh, boy. Okay, Graham, why don't you lay us out maybe a little timeline of what exactly has gone down uh, in the past few weeks? Yeah, so let's start at the, the Women's World Cup final which Spain obviously won against England and as you mentioned Ryan at the top of the show during the, the trophy ceremony Luis Rubiales um, he's part of the presentation party he kisses Jenny Hermoso on the lips he was also pictured carrying Athena uh, del Castillo over his shoulder at one point and grabbing his crotch in some sort of macho celebration on on, on a trophy platform next to the Queen of Spain as, as, as well after the match Hermoso was asked about the kiss and she said that it was not consensual she did not enjoy it the following day, um, a video was posted of Rubiales apologizing, but not really apologizing. He basically used the classic, I'm sorry, you were offended line. And that obviously didn't feel contrite and only added to the, the criticism of him. A statement was also released through the RFEF, which was accredited to Jenny Hermoso, in which she downplayed the kiss. There were then reports that this statement was in fact fabricated at at worst, or at best, Hermoso was pressured by the Federation to, to put her name to it. There was a, a statement released by Hermoso through the, the Players Union, FootPro, which read, I want to clarify that, as was seen in the images, at no time did I consent to the kiss, and he gave me, and of course, I in, in no case did I seek to lift the president. That's a that's a weird part of, of Rubiales' defence, is that, um, before the kiss, Hermoso lifted Rubiales, and, and, and I guess his implication there that is that that kind of implied consent of some sort, somehow. I'm not really sure what his argument there is. But then over the next few days, criticism of Rubiales' um, behaviour continued to grow. The Spanish Prime Minister weighed in. He said the apology wasn't sufficient. FIFA opened an investigation into the incident, and uh, and, and, and from Thursday evening last week into Friday morning reports started to surface that Rubiales would resign. And going into Friday, a press conference was was called and everyone turns up to the press conference. Everyone's watching the press conference expecting that Rubiales is going to give his resignation. Instead, he did the whole Wolf of Wall Street routine and barked, I'm not resigning over and over again, while also talking about, quote, false feminism. And he claimed he'd been, quote, socially murdered by critics. Um, he also made a promise of a new long-term contract to Jorge Vilda, who is obviously a very divisive figure as the head coach of the Spanish women's national team. It, it was it was shocking. It was truly shocking. One of the most incredible things I've, I've seen in a press conference setting in, in football, particularly from such a senior figure for one of the biggest football nations in the world. And Rubiales is UEFA vice president. He's on the FIFA executive committee as well. So we are talking about one of the most powerful men powerful people in football and after that just a few more developments because this story is not over yet and I'm sure there are things that I am I am missing in this timeline but after that FIFA provisionally suspend Rubiales the RFEF threatened to sue Hermoso for lying in defamation the following morning after the after the press conference the infamous press conference they also reminded players that quote playing for the national team is an obligation um, on any member of the federation called up to do so, which is just factually untrue. And I'm sure the players' union would back anyone up on that. Then the RAFEF requested that UEFA suspend it from international competitions over government involvement to protect Rubiales and sway public opinion back in his favour. And then finally, Rubiales's mother locked herself in a church on hunger strike, which is totally a normal thing to do. I think that hunger strike has now come to an end. She was hospitalised on Wednesday evening. So, yeah, Aww. as that timeline maybe gives you a sense of, this has been a crazy, crazy story that still 
isn't over. I still don't understand why she did it in a church. Like, can't strike it at home. <laughs> what? Stopping stopping everyone using the church, surely. There's not a lot of food in the church, I guess. Like, not a lot of temptation. Like, just holy water, I, I mean, guess. I mean... I, that that is true. That is well said, Graham. It's just communion wafers. Communion wafers in the holy water. I mean, I, I do think if I were to give a go, like slightly conspiracy brained, I think with the FIFA ban uh, for Rubiales, also as part of that was that he is not allowed to contact uh, Hermoso or members of Hermoso's family. I think a few other people as well, and that is when the sort of organized media campaign of Rubiales's mother and cousin. Uh, begins and there's a lot more public condemnation from them of Hermoso and why is she lying? Why is she making these statements? And I think to have those statements made outside of a church, probably from a like visuals optics standpoint, makes it look more like all oh, these poor people who are being unfairly uh, sort of attacked. Uh, uh, so I think that is probably part of why uh, it, it was done in that way, is my guess is to sort of paint the Rubiales family as more uh, victims than I would say they are. Yeah, the the reality here, and, and we'll talk more about the timeline of events, Graham, you did an absolutely incredible yeah, job of summarizing. My notes for the timeline are like four pages long, and you yeah. did it so <laughs> concisely and so well. So that's, that's good work from you. The main overarching, <clears throat> excuse me, wow, easy for me to say, the main overarching point for this is just how sad it is that there's been no accountability, like no actual accountability from Luis Rubiales after doing something that was very clearly wrong and very clearly has hurt more than one person in this whole situation, but certainly Jenny Hermoso and has caused her many issues at this point. The fact that there has been no accountability from Rubiales hurts, but is also not surprising, right? And Grim, you mentioned his status, not just in Spanish soccer, but in European soccer within FIFA governing soccer around the world, it's it's concerning. And we'll get into the implications and more of that later on. But all of the details feel like they just stack on top of each other and relate to some of the issues that Spain as a national team had faced coming into this World Cup, where 15 players had decided that they didn't want to be called up to the national team until conditions changed. And part of those conditions were super weird and kind of growth social things about very strict requirements of what they were and were not allowed to do, their bags being searched after trips to see what they'd bought. So many of these just really unsettling events that had happened. And Graham, there's even more to this. And I know it's in your notes too, but I'll just toss on a couple of more notes here on Rubiales. After the game, after the World Cup final that Spain win, they beat England, they have the incident with Rubiales grabbing Jenny Hermoso's the back of her head, pulling her in for a kiss on the lips. And then you have him in the locker room with footage showing afterwards that he's got an arm around Jenny Hermoso, talking about a vacation to Ibiza, saying there will be there we will celebrate the wedding of Jenny and Luis Rubiales. Just unsightly behavior, moment after moment after moment for Rubiales, and he's not he's not stepped up to the plate to actually apologize for it. You get that press conference, which was truly wild on Friday, Graham. And who do you have in the audience? You have not just Jorge Vilda, but the coach of the Spanish men's national team as well clapping as he's doing his Wolf of Wall Street thing, saying he will not resign. Jorge Vilda then later comes out and says, well, I, I don't support this, and I'm also just going to stay in my post, and everything's going to be fine for me, basically. Like, there are just so many troubling and concerning nooks and crannies to this story, but the part that gets me the most, as I said, is just there, there has been no accountability, and it feels like, outside of what will be an eventual resignation from Rubiales, surely, there won't really be repercussions in this, and that just really sucks. Yeah, and and to continue with Joe's point, I think there I've seen a few different things from I don't know if it's like opposition pieces, but just about like so what like he he kissed a player that's isn't that Spain don't you kiss on the cheeks aren't you very friendly isn't there a lot of like physical touching that doesn't necessarily mean something sexual or overtly creepy I would say number one there's a big difference between like the the two kisses on the cheek versus planting one on a player's lips. Uh, in front of a global television audience, but also to to go back to the point, their manager, uh, their like long term manager before uh, their present one was Ignacio Carreda. There's a a documentary uh, made about his time in charge called Breaking the Silence, which goes into this sort of overly c- controlling and abusive behavior, the culture of fear, bigotry, sexism, homophobia, his excessively controlling behavior. That's where some of the stuff that Joe was talking about starts, about players aren't allowed to close their doors to their hotel rooms until he's come in and checked to make sure everything is as it should be. He openly talks about wanting to eradicate homosexuality and how he considers it a disease. Um, and this is a person who was in charge of that program for 17 years until the players eventually say, 
things have to change. We're not playing for this person. There must be change. That's when Jorge Vilda comes in. But I, I think seen through that lens, I think this is not just an isolated incident, but seen as part of a larger system of abuse that has existed in the Spanish FA, yeah. uh, according to these players at least. And, and I think that is why this has maybe become a bigger story than initially it felt like that was that was a strange moment. I think that was kind of the the way I saw it start to to spread on Twitter was like, did anyone else see that? That was that was weird, right? Do, are they friends or something? And I think well, we, it we might spoke have not about happened. It on the, I'm yeah. sure we spoke about it on the show. Or if it wasn't on the show, we spoke about it in our pre-record chat of how Rubiales was behaving just through yeah. that entire, and it was definitely over the top um, in that moment. But I, I agree, Taylor. I think in that in that moment, the story is about Rubiales, but what has happened since then has been a real eye-opener into the true nature of the RFEF and Spanish football as a, as a whole and attitude towards... Uh, Spanish women's football and 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 we spoke about this after the Women's World Cup final ab- about the allegations against the federation and how they'd kind of remained a little bit murky and a little bit unclear and we weren't quite sure on the specifics of those uh, allegations and so in that moment it was a little bit difficult to make a true ju- judgment on the situation I feel n- now that we have a clear insight into how Rubiales runs this federation yeah. and how he is how he's been enabled to run it in this way and so from my point of view I also feel like I now understand why those allegations by the players weren't made public and why they were kind of kept under wraps because when things do go public, this is the sort of response that they get from the Federation where they've essentially tried to... Thunderous applause, yeah. Yeah, they've Mm. tried to gaslight not only their own players, but all of us who saw this on a live TV broadcast play out. This happened during a World Cup. So now I feel like I have a greater understanding from the player side of why those allegations were a little bit secretive. And like like releasing still images that he then says, like, this is evidence that it wasn't me or that I didn't do it or that this is all made up. But it's just like, dude, that part was crazy. Yeah, absolutely insane. Spanish, uh, the Spanish FA on their website posts like four or five mm-hmm. different images of of the kiss like genuinely like it's a film breakdown in an article like that they're trying to explain what's going on and and prove that with the body language that was used arrows and all this other nonsense and description after each picture that something happened that Jenny Hermosa said didn't ha- it's just it, it seems yeah. as you go through this story it just gets weirder and weirder at every turn and again the lack of accountability throughout all of this stuff is downright absurd and then agreed. And one other like small thing that I, I would just like to say, I feel like from what I understand of abuse, uh, physical abuse, emotional abuse, it doesn't start big. It doesn't start right away with with just like punches thrown. It starts with little things that like the slippery slope aspect of abuse, I think. And seeing this happen but then reading more about what's happened behind the scenes it feels to me more of a moment of like if he this is like what can i get away with in the most public setting possible and i feel like if this were something that was just swept under the rug i think if you're a player it's sort of seen as like i mean he did it overtly flagrantly in front of a global audience and he's still in charge so i i feel like that would be a very empowering moment for him in terms of oh i can get away with whatever i want i'm bulletproof and for the players i think that could be a moment of like okay we have zero power and we're never going to be able to do anything about this so i also think that gives some more insight into why there has been this sort of organized sustained reaction as a result uh, Taylor, we need to take a break, but before we do, could you quickly jump back to the Hermoso statements, uh, fabricated or otherwise, and what yeah. that part of the situation was? Yeah, I think I think uh, Graham Graham went through it really well. But it, it, to my understanding, it's basically when Ruby Ellis comes out and does the "I'm sorry that you were offended" uh, apology. There is also a statement released quote-unquote, by Hermoso, saying that, like, oh, no, it, like it's not a big deal. Like, basically downplaying it. Um, I, and as I understand it, there are, like, now three statements, which is what Rubiales' uh, hunger-striking mother uh, keeps saying, or grandmother keeps saying. It's like, why have you changed your statement so many times? But to my understanding, that initial statement is not by Hermoso. It's released by the FA. Uh, they, I think the allegation is that they forged her signature on it. She releases a very strongly worded, that was not my statement. I did not say those things. You are, like, I am not making this up. Uh, and I think that's where we sort of get uh, a lot of the players on board. I think it's now up to, like, 88 players have signed the petition. Uh, and And I think at this point, it's a strange reality we live in that the reigning World Cup champions on the women's side 
don't really have a team anymore because yeah. all of the players have now announced that they won't be representing the, the team uh, until things change. But they, yeah, that, that to me is the most bonkers moment that the Spanish FA released a statement with an allegedly forged signature from Jenny Hermoso saying like, no, it's all good, no big deal. And I think that also speaks to what the expectation was, which is that the players will just get in line and do as they're told because yeah. we're in power and we control this. Yeah, did they think they were going to get away with that? Like that yes. she wasn't going to notice? Like, oh, <laughs> that's weird. I don't remember saying that, but that yeah. mu- that I, that's absolutely I think insane. It is. I think they they expected it to be go along to get along. And I think it, it was the expectation wow. was that they would release a statement and she would say like, okay, yeah, that's sure, whatever. Like, I'm a World Cup winner, it's fine, whatever. I think they expected her to be part of the their narrative, basically. And and that's where I am actually, thankful is probably the wrong word, but I, 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 am, I am thankful that this has happened after a World Cup final. And because if this happens after a Copa del Rey final or a domestic cup final, to be honest, the RFEF and Rubial is probably get away with it there's not this level of attention on this whole story the spanish national team in terms of the players within that team have never been more powerful than they are at this moment as world champions that's why this story has been so compelling that's why it's been it's it's had real mainstream cut through but cut through is because you're talking about a team that won a world cup two years ago and this is how they're being treated by their own federation and so while it is depressing that we're not talking about spain winning the world cup and they haven't really had their moment in the medium to long term, I'm hopeful that almost the sharp shock of this will have uh, a, you know, more of a, a legacy. There'll be a, a greater impact from this than otherwise would have been the case. All right, well, let's take a quick break. Maybe we'll talk a bit more about that impact and the impact we've seen so far around this situation. What a mess. We'll be back shortly. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Hey folks, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show reminding you that we are inching ever closer to the start of the summer transfer window, which means there are teams that will buy and sell their players early, there are teams that will leave that business very late, and there are teams that will operate in between. But no matter what, it's going to be a chaotic situation, there's going to be offers coming through willingly, there's going to be transactions to be tracked and processed and make sure that enough money is there, there's going to be probably angry clubs calling to complain, there are many things to deal with, and unfortunately for those clubs, there is no sort of business tool that makes things easier, makes transactions simpler, gets the business done efficiently and effectively, but for the small businesses around the globe, there is such a service, Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek kits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And I really appreciate that about Shopify. No matter how big you are, no matter how fast you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. That's as many countries as will be selling players in the transfer window this summer. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash TSS. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to our big thing. We are, of course, talking about Luis Rubiales. And Joe, this is such a strange situation. I don't know what his endgame is at this point because he's very isolated. Clearly, RFEF isn't coming off well from this. But 
it's just I don't know what kind of avenue I don't know does he think it's all going to blow over at this point it's quite bizarre the the the, the way he's buried himself into this situation it, it absolutely is and it feels like at this point there is no escape and, and oftentimes we can think that and for people in these types of position of power it feels like they find a way to wriggle their way through and stick around in, a, in an important position this feels a little different to me and maybe that's optimism maybe that's naivety on my part but there are options here for for Spain and the Federation. The thing that I think is is one of the most interesting parts about there being not a lot of places for Rubiales to go at this point is the regional federations have now decided that they're no longer supporting Rubiales. And I didn't realize this was how Spanish soccer worked, but there are 19 presidents of regional federations inside the Spanish FA, and those people are important. Now, it's not like they can just say, no, we don't want you, and he has to leave. It's more complicated than that. There needs to be a vote of no confidence presented to Spanish uh, to the Spanish FA's General Assembly, which is complicated. Basically, they need a majority of people at the end of the day out of 140 total members to remove him. But having the regional, the, the, the presidents of the regional associations say, like, yeah, this, this is not good. This is not sustainable. This is not tenable, says a lot because they didn't react that way initially which is a little troubling. And the reaction to Rubiales' press conference on Friday, where he does the Wolf of Wall Street thing, almost everybody in the audience claps, either sort of begrudgingly or maybe because the people around them are doing it or because they actually want to. But the reaction seems to be, this is the president of the Football Association and he will continue to be until something absolutely insane happens. And the insane thing in this case has just been the fact that all of these things have coalesced, understandably, into a ridiculous story that is getting international attention, applying so much pressure to Rubiales and his position and the people around him that I do not think it will be sustainable. Just a quick beat, Joe, on the people who were sitting in that in that press conference, or at least in the in the first row of that press conference. I think it is notable to look at the background of people like uh, De La Fuentes, who's obviously the, the, the men's yeah. national team head coach. He has been employed by the RAF, RFEF for over 10 years he's been in that organization Jorge Vilda um, there's a story that him and his him and his father who was also involved in the in the federation and involved in Spanish football essentially their their, their votes for the, the the presidential election that Rubiales ended up winning were were bought on the idea that Vilda would become the women's national team head coach as, as a reward for those votes and and so you get a sense of how Rubiales has kind of surrounded himself by enablers, essentially. And and I agree, Joe, that the, the majority of people were clapping. One of the most chilling things about the footage when they show the, 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 the crowd, the audience, whatever you want to call it, is there are women in that front row who are not clapping. There are two or three women in that front row. And look, I'm editorializing here, but you have to suspect whether those women have been basically demanded to sit in the front row of that of that audience by Rubiales to almost imply widespread support across the Federation. That is, yeah, a little bit chilling to me. And as far as I understand it, uh, a couple of days after this, uh, a... a the entire coaching staff, except for Jorge Vilda, but his support staff all resign. Many of them saying that they were forced to sit in the front row and applaud for the Rubiales speech. And go. that seems to be par for the course. To go back to the Armoso false statements uh, allegation for a moment, she talks about how on the flight home, she and her family were pressured into saying like, oh no, it was me who tried to kiss him. It was me who said it was okay. Uh, and that there's been a kind of systematic pattern of the of representatives for the FA trying to get people on side, trying to get people to back Rubiales' story of events and trying to make it seem like there is much more widespread support for him. And I think it is, to Graham's point, sort of a sign of how things have gone for the FA, that you have coaches who I think are, are, are paid well for their work. Uh, I think in that same I'm not leaving speech, Rubiales uh, also offers to extend Jorge Vilda's deal for like forever yep. for 500,000 euros a year, I think. Um, but you have former national team managers who are all sort of very hesitant to say anything. Uh, and I would say one way or the other to condemn him or to support Hermoso or like, or to say like, Oh no, I stand with him. I think it's just been a lot of very wishy-washy mealy mouth statements. I think that goes to the idea that nobody wants to anger anybody at the Spanish FA until it's absolutely yeah. okay for them to do so. Exemplified by Vilda a couple of days later, then saying, 
once his entire staff has resigned after he was there applauding saying oh no i i totally reject everything he's saying and everything he's done uh like once it feels like the situation with ruby alice is untenable and it's not just going to go away that's when we see that flip a little bit yeah and i have to say it's, it's been disappointing um you're talking about the response within the federation there taylor but broadening it out to look at football as a whole and the response yeah. to to this this story and this incident it has been disappointing how slow men's football in general has been to, to mobilize behind this. And and even now, there are obviously condemnation. People have got wind of where this story is, is, is going, and it doesn't end well for, for Ruby Alas. He is going to resign. He'll be forced out of this federation one way or another. But even now, with people supporting her more so and condemning Ruby Alas, it, it just all feels a little bit half-hearted, like Mikel Arteta was asked about it this week, obviously a, a Spaniard who played for the national team, and just wouldn't say anything really one way or another. Javi Hernandez was a little bit stronger, I, I have to say, and did did condemn uh, Rubiales. And there has been some show of support from some La Liga clubs, like Cadiz carried out a, a banner for a La, Liga, a La Liga match at last weekend, which read something along the lines of We Are All Jenny Hermoso, and Sevilla wore t-shirts that read It's it's over, it's all over. This, this, this phrase, say a caba, that has been used as almost like a me too sort of um phrase in spanish football it's been trending they wore t-shirts with that with that with that term on it and there has been in the women's game several nwsl teams have, have shown their support and they've worn um tape with messages of support for hermoso on it as well and and borja iglesias i, I should mention him mm-hmm. he is a, a real betis striker who plays for the spanish men's national team he has said that he won't play for spain again until rubiales resigns and there's been pretty st- strong statements from hector bellerin as well another real mm. betis player so I, maybe a little bit of a, a, a good culture at real betis but other than that it's it's been a it's been disappointing to be honest how yeah. slow men's football has has been to this i would say even some of the statements put out by la liga clubs i think were very we are concerned about the allegations we have strong concerns about the situation i think it's still gone some way towards not having to say anything credit to osasuna who if you haven't seen their statement it, yeah. it, it's not mealy mouthed it's very very strongly on the side of hermoso and uh criticizing rubiales and the fa for the situation as it is and that it continues to be as it is so uh well done yeah. osasuna we 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 do graham as you mentioned we've had a round of la liga matches or at least one round of matches since this has all come to pass we've got another weekend here where men's team players of a high caliber have the opportunity to say something on the field or off the field about this and we haven't seen i don't think unless i'm mistaken we haven't quite seen it yet from like real madrid or barcelona players who, who are active no and you know i, I thought barcelona a fairly historically rebellious club in terms of rebelling against dfa and, and against even the state I, I would hope that something would come from them this weekend but who knows yeah, you would think so. I mean, Barcelona, they, I believe the, the women's team um, train on the same training fields and use the same training facility as, as as the men's team. And so we're not just talking about a bond of playing for the same club. We're talking about people that surely they have some form of personal relationship with on a day-to-day basis. Usually, I'd imagine would usually pass them in, in, in the training ground or on the training pitch or whatever. So yes, that has been disappointing. Also disappointing that UEFA have been so sluggish to offer any sort of response. Um, keep in mind, as I mentioned earlier, Ruby Alas is UEFA vice president, so they have a they have a duty to offer a response here. They can't put their head in the sand over this. He is he is he is part of their uh, executive committee or executive board, whatever you you, you want to call it. And also, where 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 is Gianni Infantino in all this? I mean, we've been asking that Vacation. question. He's adding well, adding an, another like wing to his house in Saudi Arabia. I think. Yeah. Sure, too bit too busy with that renovation. We asked yeah. that question all the way through the Women's World Cup. Um, he, keep in mind, he gave that atrocious speech on the eve of the Women's World Cup, where essentially the gist was, "Come on, women, you can do it. It's up to you to convince men for to to give you equality." Which the messaging behind that, a oh man, I, I'm rubbing my head with how like I can't even get my head around Grammy the, is the sentiment of, 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 of that, of that speech. He is 100 doing that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. where is Gianni Infantino, a man who is not slow to offer his uh, his comments to the media comments that we usually don't want? But nonetheless, he has been very notable in his absence on this he story. Has, yeah. Today, I feel conspicuously absent. Perhaps <laughs> is the uh, phrase he will be using. But Joe, as we've mentioned here, you look at even if you look at Ru- uh, Rubiales' 
Wikipedia page, there is an allegations of corruption section, which isn't small. Um, he has risen to the top of the Spanish game, and he's, you know, as, as we mentioned, an executive in UEFA as well. He's high up in the game. It beggars belief that someone of his caliber are in the post set blatter world is still at the top of this game it makes we we think that fifa and, and these top executive positions and uefa have cleared house it's clearly not the case is it yeah i i don't know who thinks that ryan first of all because it, it makes us <laughs> it, it reminds us very easily that that's not the case when you see situations like this dermot corrigan who's covered this story some for the athletic who have in general done a really good job and were really helpful in my research for this episode so i'm grateful for the work that they've done on this story Corrigan wrote that Rubiales' general attitude towards criticism, quote, has generally been to brazen it out or even to go on the attack himself over his time with the Spanish FA. A couple of instances, some that have already been mentioned, some that have not, uh, or, or maybe we've alluded to. So in that corruption page, and in general, some instances that have happened in Rubiales' time in charge, at the Women's Supercopa earlier this year, which is a, a club competition, then give it like uh, Carabao Cup or something like that, right? Any Any of these kind of standalone club competitions. Rubiales did not, as he usually would do, present the winning medals to the team that won. It was Barcelona. Instead, they were left in a box by the sidelines for players to collect themselves. And there's a video of this, and it feels very U15 soccer. It's like, oh, the medals are over there. Like, just go grab them, and then we can take a picture together. As a t- it, it, There's no procession, which honestly maybe would have been better in this particular case, but... There is no fanfare about it. Rubiales is not doing that job, which I think speaks to his strange relationship, particularly with the women's national team and women's soccer in Spain. The other aspect of this that was briefly mentioned that I won't get into a ton and somebody else can follow up on if they want, but Rubiales' uncle, who was a former employee of the Spanish FA, alleged that fed money was used to pay for a party where, quote, a group of eight or ten young girls, unquote, were invited Rubiales said they were working and talked about how, you know, can you not even have friends of the opposite gender anymore? Just weird stuff bordering on, like, that's just straight up not true what you're saying, Rubiales. I don't know all what happened there, but it, it does speak to an article that I read in The Guardian from Vero Bocate, who, who wrote this or, or talked with The Guardian writer and, and they wrote it. That's that's what happened, more the, more the latter. But the quote, some of the quotes in the article I want to read out because I thought they were really, really helpful in providing context with the idea, Ryan, that you led me in on. You know, this is a reminder that there is still corruption and still so much garbage that goes on in so many different places in in the world. Soccer is not unique in this way, right? But soccer, maybe that's the troubling part, that soccer isn't unique. These are very real problems that especially women are facing in terms of the international, even club soccer landscape. So Bocate said to The Guardian, in the 1970s, women couldn't play sport. And that was the mentality we had in this country, obviously talking about Spain. From then until now, has a lot changed? Yes, but not as much as it should have because there are still a lot of people who have sexist mindsets. Most of the leaders within Spanish football are men, and they're men from a certain generation with defined mindsets. And then this is the one that gets me the most. The problem is not if Rubiales leaves or is or is fired. It is deeper than that. It's something that we've been living and suffering for a long time. It was already the case when I played, and it's still the case with Rubiales, but it's also all the people who work at the Federation, right? I think that is the best answer or the best comment in response to your question. It's not coming from me. It's coming from Bocate, former Spanish national team player, uh, left the team after players tried to, to really take a stand back in 2015. It's not just Rubiales, right? And that has to be the case. That's so obvious when you look at the response to this story. The fact that different you know, breakdowns of an incident with screenshots are being posted on the Spanish website. The, the fact that you know, nobody has really come out to, to defend this hard until it starts to become clear that that's where the, the current is taking them. And then you get Jorge Vilda tossing out a weak statement, but still sticking around in that kind of thing. The idea that it's not just Rubiales, but it's also all the people who work at the Federation. And and all is probably doing a bit of heavy lifting there. But the point is very much taken from Bocate. Yeah. And Graham, of course, Rubiales has overseen the controversial reign of Jorge Villa, as we've mentioned, in which... 15 players stood down and refused to play for him. What's he been up to during all this? It feels like he might be... I mean, does, is, there a, is there a part of him that thinks this helps him because it's taken the heat off of him? He was obviously enemy number one in, in Spanish mm. soccer before this incident, or is he just going to be banished off to unpopular Spanish person island 
with Rubiales at some point soon. It's 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 it feels untenable for him as well at this point, yeah. doesn't it? If he thinks this has helped him, I think he's misguided in thinking that because, as I, as I said earlier, I think this story has moved from being about one person, about being uh, about Rubiales, to being about the RFEF as a whole, and obviously he is a, a prominent figure. In that organisation, he was he was there in that front row, as I mentioned, of the press conference, clapping along as as his players were in the firing firing line. So I, I find that pretty despicable in in itself, in itself, because obviously he is meant to be some form of representation of his players of of, the, of that team unit. Um, he's meant to be the liaison in a sense between the national team dressing room and the federation, and clearly he is he is failing as that liaison and has failed in that in, in that job over a number of years um as taylor mentioned all his coaching staff have have resigned so he's completely isolated now completely tied to rubiales and a report this week said that R- the rfef is exploring options to finally sack him so it does feel like even if rubiales we, we we can't quite see the end for him it feels like with jorge vilda that that end is coming pretty pretty soon i hope this like analogy will make sense. But what I think I keep landing on when it comes to Ruby Alice is that like, as Joe said, that like the point uh, initially is that in the 1970s, women aren't permitted to play football. And I think if you are Ruby Alice uh, and, and uh, FA officials who come in and start to fund women's football and start to fund the women's national team, albeit at a much, much, much smaller amount than the men's team, I think it seems to me like a lot of people have started to think like I'm the savior of the women's program because I'm doing the bare minimum. But I think when you didn't have a bare minimum before, I think there have been people who have been inclined to protect that and make sure that they continue to get some level of funding, some level of support. And my read is that that's what Jorge Vilda has been, basically. Uh, To Graham's point, I think he's been an enabler. I think he was meant to be the coach is meant to be sort of the shield against the Federation, the shield against abuses, but also just overly involved Federation members. And and I, it feels to me like Vilda has been more of a look, just like say he didn't do it. And then we'll just continue training. Like it feels like he's basically been a go along to get along person within the team. And I think that in my mind explains a lot of why there's been so much frustration with him. And I'll hold my hands up and say, when we talked about this team, I sort of had Jorge Vilda as a person who wasn't involved in the federation scandal wasn't involved in the abuses and the and the allegations of corruption uh and and it feels to me like he's very much part of them just not leading them sort of allowing them to occur and taking a back seat because he continues to get money and he continues to build a reputation it does seem ryan you use the term untenable the latest reporting i saw was that he has started to accept that his position is untenable, but also doesn't really accept that he has done anything wrong here. So it doesn't feel the need to resign. All of that feels like he's waiting for a pretty sizable buyout to me. Wow. Is he going through the seven stages of narcissism or something? He's finally <laughs> started to accept that the, uh, the end is near. That's... I mean, I just can't get over sitting sitting in that crowd, even if you are forced to be there, and he does very much like laugh and applaud and is like, yeah. And then later on comes out and criticizes uh, Rubiales' his macho attitude. It's unacceptable. It's against everything I have always stood for, but I am not resigning. And I am continuing on my post, even though my entire staff has resigned because they don't yeah, feel safe anymore. Yeah. It's it's like maybe this maybe this sounds you know sort of cheesy or whatever, but it's all it's like a violation of the team codes. Yep. If you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. that's that's his players. You know, the players who a week earlier had won him a World Cup. Like, yeah. is there no loyalty to those players who are putting themselves in the firing firing line? Yeah, that that to me was just I, I called him a scab on 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 Twitter, which is what, what essentially he is in, in in that moment with players being on strike. Um, I will not be. I'll not be uh, I'll, I'll not be sad to see him go when he does eventually go. Indeed. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll try and look to the future, see how and if this situation resolves itself back shortly. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to the big thing. Taylor, we're of course talking about Luis Rubiales and his, uh, we'll call it an untenable Yay. position at this point. Yay, yeah. indeed. Um, so... so how, how this might have been resolved by the time this podcast is published, of course. But the, the, if you look at the tracks now, it is Rubiales stands down, maybe Vilda stands down as well, and we try and mend and repair the whole process in the executive level of Spanish soccer. Or Rubiales still refuses, 
And basically all of Spanish soccer eventually stops because of this man who refuses to say sorry and step down. It's am I being too binary here? No. Like I I, I but I, I honestly I think it's even more depressing because I I agree with a lot of what the coverage has uh, been about, which is that like it's already kind of a disgrace that this person hasn't stepped down. That like we need to really emphasize, even though we already have, his I'm not leaving speech is that press conference is called so he can resign because they have already appointed his successor. He is going to step down. We're going to move on. We're going to change things. And in some ways, maybe this works out better just because it feels like that would have been papering over the cracks a little bit. But uh, Pedro Roca was meant to take over as the new president. Uh, and he and that Vilda might even resign that day as well. And for it to swing fully around to him, uh, did we already read his his what will probably be the most infamous quote from that one? Did you really think I was going to resign over a peck? Which is such a strange thing to yell into a microphone. It, it, it just feels to me like from that point on, he is still there. The F.A. rather than sort of force that resignation or allow there to be a split, allow us to see the infighting that, that would be taking place. Instead, sort of backs him, has fraudulent statements. Uh, he announces he's going to go after people for for he's going to take legal action against members of the government for their fraudulent and libelous claims. The FA backs him on that one. I believe it was the FA who, who announced that they wanted to be withdrawn from UEFA. Over like It's just so many ridiculous claims and ridiculous moments that have massively impacted the way I think people perceive Spain. I, I, I think yeah. even with the, the 12 players in the end who sat out the World Cup, there is still this idea that like Spain's doing it right. They're developing players really well. They have so much talent. They're figuring it out. They're funding the women's program. And, and I think that we already see just how much this team won despite everything that's going on behind the scenes. It just makes me think that like until you get sweeping changes I, I don't know how things really start to improve or how there starts to be healing in the spanish team in the spanish federation and so far that doesn't seem like a thing that's going to occur no joe looking at the fixtures coming ahead uh the spanish women's team are due to start the uefa women's nations league um in september they've got a fixture against sweden on the books oh boy. does do we think that even happens at this point? I mean, and what's what's the atmosphere going to be like in that in that camp if it does? It, it feels like there's there's a lot of damage repair that needs to be done here. Rubiales is gran against everyone <laughs> against just one, just her on the pitch. She's the only one that turns up. She's cool. Oh, no, she's got nutrition issues, Graham. It's going to be a tough one for her. Oh, Graham, that was good. Uh, yeah, Ryan. The truth is, we don't know what that's going to look like if things don't change. I would imagine it looks like a lot of players that didn't think they were going to be playing for the Spanish women's national team playing for the Spanish women's national team in a competitive game. It's also possible that those games are just forfeited by Spain. Again, it's hard to say what that's going to look like. I would imagine, I actually don't know when that game is in September off the top of my head, but I would imagine that some things will have changed between now and then that may open up opportunities for these players to come back. The the One of the many crappy parts of this entire situation is that in some ways, Graham, you're right. It is it is a weird benefit that this happens after a World Cup because it does get greater media attention. We talk about soccer all the time. Like this, this would have been a story in the soccer world regardless. But you know, you have CNN writing about it. You have like all all of these outlets that don't talk about soccer ever talking about this. So in some way, there's there's a benefit there. The crappy part of it though is. Spain just won a World Cup. Like, we should be rubbing stuff in Ryan's face in this episode instead of, like, talking about all of this absurdity that's gone on and how sad all of it is, right? So that's the that's another like, bit about this that just doesn't sit well with anyone is, is we don't get to truly embrace this Spanish team for doing something incredibly impressive, winning their first ever World Cup. And, and the reason I say that is because as it relates to September's game, like, that, that should be an incredible moment, right? That should be the reigning champions taking the field and celebrating what they've done and bossing a game. And at this point, it's a little hard to say if we're going to get to see that or not. Indeed. All right, um, guys, this has been a, a tricky one to talk through, but I really appreciate the dialogue we've had here. Taylor, anything else to close out um, before we uh, uh, send listener on their way? Yeah, we've talked about it with the NWSL scandals and just how it's really frustrating that this is the thing that we constantly have to talk about when it comes to the women's game at a time when we should be just celebrating the Spain's the Spain team that won. I do think 
that we will get a lot of players sitting out those uh, Nations League games if they do happen. And I think that's probably where the uh, FA's hand will be forced. But it's just another frustrating reminder that there's so many things happening behind the scenes. And I'm sure there's things happening behind the scenes on the men's side of, of the game. But I think there's just so much more reporting, so many more spotlights, that even when there is, the corruption eventually comes to a head. I think yesterday I saw the full report on the Qatar corruption and and the bribes paid to win that World Cup bid. So it, it exists everywhere, but it seems to be far more common, far more regularly occurring in the women's game. And and it feels like a lot of that stems from doing the bare minimum has long been enough. Uh, and, and so, hey, we funded you. We made it possible for you to get there. You know, like now scratch our backs and how creepy and insidious that all feels. It's just a reminder that there's still work to be done and there's still uh, things that should be discussed. And, and that's why I love doing the big thing. So we yeah. get the opportunity to do so. And I think that ethos has been allowed to exist, Taylor, because quite frankly, the, the women's game has not had the same level of attention yep. as, as, as the men's game. And so people haven't noticed. And so that is my hope now that we are getting record viewership of World Cup games and bigger crowds and it feels like it's becoming more mainstream that that, that all of a sudden doesn't become so easy to, to, to sweep under the rug. I hope that this leads to uh, a, a complete overhaul of the Spanish football association of RFEF I, I also hope it leads to more more women being in decision making positions across football not just at the RFEF I mean out of 22 FIFA exco members only three three are women that's not fi- like the FIFA men's exco or anything either that that is the FIFA exco that makes decisions for both the men's and the women's game only three are three are women on, but, the, on the executive but, committee but so. Gianni Infantino said he feels like a woman so that counts as like three and a half oh I'm yeah guessing. okay that was Shania Twain, sure. Taylor, sorry. <laughs> She's one of the three on the Expo. Only um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm hoping that... Maybe I'm being naive, but this does feel like a story that has had genuine cut through in a way that other stories... When we've talked about Canada and Jamaica and, and other yeah. nations at this World Cup, that they have been soccer stories. They've been big stories in our world, but this has been a big story in the mainstream media. And so I am hopeful that there will be something that comes out of this. Uh, let's uh, carry that hope through, Graham. Graham, thank you very much for joining us on this big thing. Thank you, Ryan Billy. Taylor Rockwell, pleasure as always, my good man. I won't say the pleasure was mine, but it was good to be here. Good to chat with you, both, you all. It was indeed. Likewise for you, Joe Lowry. Thank you. Right back at you, Ryan. And listener, thank you very much for joining on this and all big things. We'll be back on the feed very shortly. But for now, bye. Bye. <laughs>